Welcome to the Physics Buzz Podcast. I'm Mike Lucibella. And I'm Callie Cofield. Last time on the podcast, Mike and I wrapped up the year with some of our favorite physics discoveries of 2012. This week, we're going to cover a few more of our favorites from the last year, this time in the areas of astronomy and astrophysics. This podcast is out of this world. (laughs) Okay, Mike, what have been your favorite astrophysics stories of the year? Well, probably the biggest story of the year involved an interplanetary spaceflight, a robot the size of an SUV, and a mohawk. In August, the Mars Curiosity rover made its nail-biting landing on the surface of the Red Planet. Videos from Mission Control showed the flight crew going bananas with excitement when the robot let them know it had landed safely. What's cool is how these videos instantly became an internet sensation. One of the engineers, Bobak Ferdowski, sported a mohawk with stars shaved into the side of his head. He's the kind of guy that shows just how cool these scientists and technicians can be. The Curiosity rover is the fourth rover to set down on Mars, and its primary goal is to find out if Mars could or possibly already has supported some kind of life. The rover is headed for a spot on the surface of Mars where scientists think they might find evidence of living microbes. But in the meantime, Curiosity has already identified what appear to be dry stream beds that run across the Martian surface. So that gives them hope that the spot they're headed for could have also once been a river or a lake or some other location where life might thrive. Now, scientists already know that water exists on Mars. They just didn't realize quite how much there once was. But 2012 is also the year that scientists found water on another planet, one where almost no one was expecting to find it, the planet closest to the sun, Mercury. The Messenger spacecraft is a cool little probe that's been mapping Mercury since 2011. This year, it made its biggest splash yet when it found evidence of water frozen underneath the planet's North Pole. You know, scientists have actually been finding water in a lot of places in our solar system. There is water, of course, on Earth, but there's also water on Mars, the moon, multiple moons around Jupiter and Saturn, and comets. It's amazing, too, because Mercury can get as hot as 800 degrees Fahrenheit in the direct sun. That's not very conducive for ice. But in the far north, in areas where the sun never shines, it turns out there are vast reservoirs of water buried underground and at the bottom of deep craters. The team found the ice by looking for areas where it absorbs the natural radiation of the planet. The scientists suspect that water is probably hiding underneath the South Pole as well, but they just haven't had a chance to look there for it yet. Awesome. Okay, I want to talk about an astrophysics story that came out last year that I just love. Mike, do you know what a galaxy cluster is? I'm guessing they're large numbers of galaxies clustered together in some way. (laughs) Exactly. Hundreds of galaxies joined together by gravity. These clusters are truly beyond comprehension. They are millions of light years across. Now, because these clusters are so massive, their motion is too slow for us to directly observe in our lifetimes. And on top of that, in order to observe them, we have to be very far away. So it's hard to observe subtle movements when you're far away from something. But if scientists could deduce information about the speed and the movements of these galaxy clusters... That could actually help scientists understand some of the biggest mysteries in our universe, in particular, dark matter and dark energy. 
So matter as we know it, the stuff that forms humans and stars, galaxies and coffee cups, only make up about 4% of our universe. 4%. Scientists believe that the other 96% of the mass in our universe comes from dark matter and dark energy. Now, how do we know that? Well, dark matter and dark energy both exert a gravitational force on regular matter. So the motions of things like stars and galaxies is a little bit different than what we'd expect than if dark matter and dark energy weren't there. So scientists think they could learn a lot more about the universe if they could also see how dark matter and dark energy influence entire clusters of galaxies. Well said. So a little over 40 years ago, two scientists named Rashin Sunyev and Yakov Zeldovich theorized a way that you could detect the motion of these galaxy clusters. And it's based on a rather simple physics concept called redshift. When a police car drives by, the siren sounds higher pitched as it races towards you and lower pitched as it drives away. Yep, the sound of the siren is determined by the frequency of the sound waves. But when the car is moving toward you, it actually pushes the waves forward and they hit your ears with a higher frequency. So you hear a higher pitch. And as the car is driving away, it drags the sound waves away from you and they hit your ears with a lower frequency. So theoretically, if a distant galaxy cluster had a siren, you could tell if it was moving towards you or away from you by the sound of that siren. Unfortunately, galaxy clusters do not have sirens, but they have something else. The Cosmic Microwave Background, or CMB. Our universe started with a Big Bang, and that Big Bang was a very hot event. It was so hot, in fact, that the universe is still cooling off. There's a little bit of residual heat left over in the form of microwaves. And we can measure these microwaves everywhere in the universe. They even pass through distant galaxy clusters. So back in the 1970s, these two scientists said that the CMB would be slightly altered as it interacted with these moving galaxy clusters. The effect is similar to redshift, but in this case, what scientists observe is a change in the apparent temperature of the CMB. So if the galaxy is moving toward us, that gives the CMB a slight boost in temperature. And if that galaxy is moving away from us, it looks like the CMB has experienced a slight drop in temperature. The physics behind the so-called KSZ effect is a bit more complicated than the case of the police car siren. But that example does show you how the motion of something changes how we see it. And that's an important concept in astronomy. And in fact, astronomers use the principle of redshift when they are studying the light that's coming from these galaxies. That light is going to be changed based on how the galaxies are moving relative to us. But the scientists say the KSZ effect could allow them to study the motion of galaxies further away than what they can study just by looking at the light that those galaxies radiate. But the shift in the cosmic microwave background based on this movement is very, very small. So astronomers needed data that was really sensitive and a whole lot of it to make sure they were actually observing this effect. Yes, exactly. And the data that they were able to use came from two telescopes, the Atacama Cosmology Telescope in Chile, which maps the CMB, and the Baryon Oscillation Spectroscopic Survey, 
or BAS in New Mexico. And BAS creates a three-dimensional map of the sky in visible light. So the researchers combined the data from these two telescopes, and they looked at more than 75,000 galaxies. Now, this was not the intended use of the BOSS telescope, so this was a really cool bonus that the telescope provided a sufficient amount of data to make these measurements. Now, once again, the motion of distant galaxies is influenced by dark matter and dark energy in the universe. We can't observe dark matter and dark energy with traditional methods. They don't radiate any light for us to look at. So measuring these distant galaxies is one of the primary ways that astronomers hope to study those exotic phenomena. Now, these initial results don't tell us anything new about dark matter and dark energy, but this is an incredible starting point for more understanding. Okay, Kala, what have been some of your favorite astrophysics stories from the year? Well, we both love a good mystery, and I think we were both drawn to a story about the Pioneer space probes. Uh, These are probes that were launched in the early 1970s, and over the past three decades, something very odd has been happening to them. The two interplanetary explorers surveyed Jupiter and Saturn up close, and then set course towards interstellar space. Then, starting in the early 1980s, Mission Control noticed that the two spacecraft had started unexpectedly slowing down, ever so slightly. So on Earth, an object rolling down the street will eventually slow down because of friction with the road and gravity, but in space, objects experience very little of that. Physicists expected the two crafts to lose some speed from the pull of the sun's gravity and from other planets, but over the last three decades, they've continued to inexplicably lose just a little bit too much speed. It sounds like a tiny detail, but this little anomaly led to all kinds of speculation about what was happening, and theories ranged from possible gas leaks or faulty sensors, all the way to strange new theories of physics. Then, in 2012, scientists finally figured out what it was, without needing to rewrite Einstein or anything like that. It turned out that one side of the spacecraft reflected a little bit more heat than the other. The heat reflecting off exerted pressure on the spacecraft. Not a whole lot, but enough to very gradually slow it down. Scientists had proposed this solution before, but finally were able to run a detailed enough simulation of the probe to say definitively. Mystery solved. You know, there's another great story about a different space probe launched in the 1970s. It's a story that hasn't really ended yet, though. Keep an eye out, because this might be the year that something made by human hands leaves the solar system for the first time. In 1977, the United States launched the Voyager 1 and Voyager 2 spacecrafts, and they set out to learn about some of the most amazing destinations in our solar system. The twins had very successful campaigns collecting information and images from Jupiter and Saturn. And after that, Voyager 1 set a course for interstellar space, and since then, It has been speeding toward the edge of our solar system. Voyager 1 has passed the orbits of Neptune and Pluto, overtaking the slower Pioneer probes in the process. And Voyager 1 is expected to pop out of our solar system and into interstellar space any day now. So is there a border or a sign that says, now leaving the solar system? There's no sign, 
But there is actually a rather definite boundary. So our solar system is sheathed in, let's call it a bubble of particles that are ejected by our sun. And that bubble protects us from a lot of potentially harmful stuff coming from outside the solar system. So right now, Voyager 1 is moving through the outer layers of that bubble, something scientists call the heliosheath. Scientists don't know exactly how thick the heliosheath is, so they don't know how long Voyager 1 will stay inside of it. They know it's close to the edge, but it's not there yet. Once it finally passes through, it'll see a big change in the surrounding magnetic field, and the spacecraft will detect very high-energy particles coming from deep space, ones that are normally deflected by the solar bubble. So if you have an office pool going about when Voyager will break through the heliosheath and you bet on 2012, just wasn't your year. 2013 might be the year, but we can't really say for sure. But I think we can say it's been a pretty great year for astrophysics and astronomy. I think I can absolutely agree with that. That's all for the Physics Buzz podcast. I'm Calla Cofield. And I'm Mike Lucibella. As always, you can find more podcasts, our Physics Buzz blog, resources, and so much more at www.physicscentral.com. Tune in next week for more Physics Buzz.